Episode 2, Rise of Chaos Chuck They walked on through the dark night, the way ahead illuminated by a pair of flashlights. The road had branched off through the forest into a more open area, where the trees gradually became more spaced out. As they slowly emerged from the woods, the path widened slightly before them, the moon provided only cursory illumination of the surroundings, creating an almost dreamlike atmosphere. The smell of damp wood and vegetation filled the air. Strange, towering oaks soon replaced the more fragile trees of the woods. Chuck and Ron carried the still unconscious Brian. The young man sometimes seemed to convulse slightly and even open his eyes, but it was probably just the moonlight playing tricks on them. Ron illuminated the path as best he could while holding the injured man's legs. Julia followed them, stumbling half the time, still shaking from the shock of the sinister accident. Indeed, the entire group was still in shock. It had happened so quickly, with such violence, so many dead. Though they said nothing, inside, each of them struggled to accept it had happened. According to Ron, the grocery store was about a mile away. The most difficult mile to cross, Chuck was certain. They struggled together with the awkward weight of Brian's inert body. Fortunately, thanks to the makeshift tourniquet and bandages, the bleeding had diminished and they could hear the ragged pulsing of Brian's lungs. The hastily provided treatments for the injured man were working, at least for now. The truck driver had brought his thermos for Dutch courage, though he knew that drinking in these conditions would do him no good. That said, he was used to it. An oppressive silence quickly settled in. They could barely hear their own footsteps. No light except for their two flashlights. A black and ominous horizon loomed before them. Ron decided it was time to break the awkward silence. The grocery store is not far, he said. I should say, I haven't properly introduced myself. Ron Bellinger, at your service. I'm one of the gamekeepers around here, so I know these woods fairly well. Chuck Longman, the truck driver, introduced himself in turn, his muscles tensing with the effort of speaking while keeping Brian aloft. Julia watched Brian's face, her brow furrowed with concern. 
She didn't introduce herself, but Ron refrained from pushing the matter. A trucker, eh? Ron continued, trying to establish some common ground. Yeah, replied Chuck. I run my own transportation business out of Arkansas, but looks like I may need to switch to nursing after all. He added with a wry smile. Ron nodded, his expression slightly troubled. I couldn't help but notice the weapon you're carrying, he said, his eyes fixed on Chuck. In my line of work, you tend to encounter all sorts of unexpected situations. Chuck explained, his breathing slightly labored. You never know who you're dealing with, do you? Ron smiled, or at least grimaced. Chuck sensed a flicker of recognition in the other man, a shared understanding that needed no words. Ron was, in many ways, just like him, a sentinel, a hunter always on the lookout, the kind of man who had seen too much to ever sleep soundly again. Chuck recalled a radio debate he had heard before the accident, in which someone had claimed that humans were capable of compassion and love. He had scoffed at the idea. In his experience, humans were no better than wolves, savage beasts that reveled in chaos and destruction. Once the order broke down, the law of the jungle took over, and all bets were off. Ron's voice pulled him back to the present. You noticed, he began, his tone serious. That tanker truck. Why was it still moving when all our vehicles had stopped working? Chuck shook his head. Frustration etched on his features. I couldn't say for sure, he admitted. All I could make out was that it was an old truck, a relic from a bygone era. Like an old Peterbilt, maybe? Ron interjected, his eyes alight with recognition. Chuck nodded slowly. Something like that. I didn't have much time to examine the wreckage in detail, what with the fire and all. Maybe it was a model from the 80s or even earlier. Ron fell silent for a moment before speaking again. It's curious, isn't it? He mused. Although not indifferent to this information, Chuck's preoccupation with the truck was quickly swept aside by a visceral thought that he could not shake from his mind. That damn helicopter crash. Had it really happened? I know it sounds crazy, but I'm certain I saw a military helicopter crash before the blackout. That was what made me take my eyes off the road. What led to the accident, Chuck added, a hint of bitterness in his voice. Tell me you saw the crash, too. The blood of the gamekeeper ran cold. Oh my god. I saw some sort of light on the horizon a few moments before my vehicle suddenly stopped. Do you really think that flash came from an explosion? From the same craft that flew over our heads earlier? Ron asked. I'm afraid so, Chuck replied, somewhat breathless, readjusting his grip on Brian's motionless arms. I saw the crash with my own eyes, just as I see you now. Ron looked stunned. I've been living here for over 20 years, and I have never, not once, seen a military helicopter fly over these parts. Julia suddenly snapped out of her torpor. Look over there. It looks like a faint light. We're there, Ron encouraged them. The grocery is around that bend, just a little further. Ron took the lead. 
Chuck's eye drifted to the knife on the other man's belt. Chuck had not noticed it when he first met the hulking man. Usually that was the kind of thing he would notice pretty quickly in people he saw for the first time. But what surprised Chuck the most was that Ron didn't have a firearm. Or maybe he did in his vehicle. These days it was best to remain cautious. Darkness often awakened the darkest spirits. The gamekeeper approached the entrance. The place seemed empty and silent. It'll be all right, honey. We're almost there, murmured Julia to her husband's limp body. Ron peered through the shop window. Chuck, out of breath, expressed his interest with a nod. There seems to be an oil lamp on the counter, Ron informed him. I don't see anyone yet. Let's go take a look. He pushed the door open delicately and slipped into the store's gloom. Chuck and Julia trailed after him, propping up the wounded man. Inside, a small oil lamp cast its flickering light upon the counter. A figure emerged from the shadows, hastening forward. A woman of advanced years, moving carefully through the gloom. Can I help you? inquired the grocer, her words lacking all warmth. We have a badly injured man with us, Chuck snapped. Do you have a phone? There's no electricity, nothing's working. I guess there's an outage, she replied mechanically. Two others emerged from the darkness. A woman with delicate features and blonde hair stepped forth, flanking the grocer. She wore a white dress with a light jacket draped over her shoulders. A small girl clung to her side, her brilliant eyes and raven locks drawing Chuck's attention. Both seemed terrified, rooted to the spot their speech deserting them. It's not just an ordinary power outage, Ron interjected. It's everywhere. We were driving and all the cars just stopped, along with the street lights. Lord, the grocer fretted. But what's happening? If you don't mind, we'll explain later. Right now we have a problem. My friend Brian is losing blood rapidly, Chuck said deftly lifting the bandages to assess the state of the head wound. We have to act fast. Let's lay him on the ground. Wait, I have something to cover the floor, the saleswoman said, her voice shaking. She dashed off, returning with a blanket, which she spread on the floor. Chuck set the wounded man down at the foot of a nearby shelving unit adjacent to the counter. Do you have a first aid kit? He inquired. I... I do believe so, she answered. Yet she didn't move, transfixed by the sight of Brian's wound. Julia bent over him, caressing his face, tears streaming once more down her cheeks. My goodness! What happened to him? muttered the grocer. He was hit by a truck, going at full speed, Ron interjected, still in disbelief. The damn vehicle overturned onto other cars and exploded. It was hell on earth. We were the only ones to walk out of there. The woman was horrified. She stood there dazed, lost. Chuck averted his gaze for a moment as he saw the dreadful scene again. The poor man trying to save his wife, perishing with her in a fiery embrace. And the burned pregnant woman, a gruesome sight. He shook himself and returned his attention to Brian. 
who was looking worse by the moment. Suddenly, the door burst open. An elder had arrived, sporting a battered brown hat and a lengthy coat partially covering a mud-soiled white shirt. He resembled a distinguished farmer, a cowboy emerging straight from his ranch after a long day under harsh weather. This is incomprehensible, he bellowed, arms thrown up in frustration. My vehicle refuses to start. I've inspected the engine and everything appears to be in order. It's the same everywhere, Ron reflected somberly. Nothing is working. Chuck struggled to stem bleeding from Brian's wound, while the grocer looked on, apparently paralyzed. He glanced up at her intensely. The first aid kit! Hurry up! Uh, yes, yes, let me find it, she stammered. She dashed behind the counter and rifled through an old cupboard. Within moments, she returned, proffering a small crimson valise to Chuck. Will this do? she inquired. The truck driver nodded. As he bent down to tend to Brian, the sound of another door opening came from far at the back of the store. Two men emerged out of the dark. Definitely, Chuck thought to himself. One of the men was clad in an apron, whilst the other wielded an antiquated oil lamp to guide his way. The generator's dead, I have never seen that in all my days, bemoaned the man who appeared to be the owner of the store. He addressed the three women, seemingly unaware of the newly arrived strangers. We've had all manner of outages before, but never that. Everything appears to have gone out all at once, the second man chimed in. Then his eyes fixed on the three strangers. Who might you be? We from Road 75, not far from here replied Ron. This is no ordinary power outage. It's something more substantial. Something anomalous. I have seen no lights coming from the city, interjected the aged farmer. What the hell is happening? The little girl suddenly got up and sauntered towards the injured man. Her curiosity peaked. She peered at Brian's face, as pallid as freshly fallen snow. Ava, come here, her mother exclaimed. Mommy, what's wrong with him? Why is he drenched in blood? inquired the child. Don't look, sweetheart. The man is hurt, that's all, responded her mother. She approached and averted her daughter's gaze. Chuck remained preoccupied with his medical kit. Brian's sweat-drenched face was deadly pale, and he remained deeply unconscious. I think I have managed to stop the bleeding, announced Chuck, for now at least. Julia expressed her gratitude briefly, momentarily assuaged. But the situation remained dire. There was no way to call for help. We need a doctor, or he won't make it. Chuck spoke without conviction, and Julia sensed it. She glanced down at her husband, her expression pained. At the sudden sound of an approaching engine, they turned as one. A time-worn pickup truck pulled up in the parking lot in front of the grocery store. The shop's interior was flooded with light from the pair of headlights, and jagged shadows fell across a strange and terrible scene where the performers were frozen like statues for a fleeting moment. 
Chuck knitted his brow. The bright light stung his eyes, but that was not all. A strange sensation that he could not articulate crept over him. Promptly, three people alighted from the vehicle, outlined as silhouettes by the blazing headlights. Chuck glimpsed a woman among them. He also noted what seemed like a rifle on the shoulder of one of the men. One of them rudely shoved the door ajar and barged inside. Cigarette clamped between his lips and swaggered toward the counter. In the light of the oil lamp, everything appeared exaggerated, distorted. The ambiance was dim, ominous. The putrid stench of tobacco filled the air. Hello, Jack, stammered the grocer. Sorry, but we're closed today due to a power outage. Jack surveyed his surroundings in silence, discerning the shapes lurking in the darkness. He gestured in a circular motion to indicate all the individuals present. And I guess these are all repairmen, are they? Hmm? The grocer was at a loss for words. You see, it's bedlam outside, spat Jack, expelling smoke in the vendor's face. Everyone's in a panic in the city right now. The grocer trembled under Jack's gaze, while the other two guffawed in the background. Chuck stayed quiet. You can guess why we're here, can't you? Jack continued grinning. Given the circumstances, we just want to prepare ourselves. Stock up on supplies. You wouldn't want us to die from hunger outside, would you? The grocer inclined his head, acquiescing. It seemed that he knew the trio well. No, no, I understand your predicament, but... He faltered. The woman advanced towards the counter. She was dressed carelessly, her clothes dirty, and despite the lamp's dim light, her sharp features and distaste for the grocer was plain to see. Friends help each other out, don't they? She taunted. You wouldn't want to disappoint us, would you, Bernie? We're old pals, huh? N no It's not that I... The grocer stammered. Great! Glad to hear it, she exclaimed. We'll help ourselves. Much obliged, Bernie. You're a peach. The old grocer held the counter at his back for support. Ashamed to be caught in such a compromising situation, his wife, standing next to Eva and her mother, glowered at him darkly. Jack watched on with an indifferent air, puffing on his cigarette. The man with the rifle had moved closer to Brian's still body, crouching slightly to examine the head injury. Chuck gave him a menacing stare, wordlessly conveying his familiarity with such types of people that one step out of line would spell trouble. He hoped the storm would blow over swiftly. Food could be found elsewhere, but his primary concern was getting to the hospital. No need to take undue risks. At last, the young man retreated with a contemptuous glare as Jack beckoned him over. Hey, Billy! Hurry up and gather as much as you can! Chuck looked at the two men more closely. They bore a striking resemblance, and their relationship confounded him. Likely from the same family, he needed to stay cool and composed. However, with Brian's precarious condition and the arrival of these strangers, he felt anxious. 
time was slipping away, perhaps even to his detriment. Billy began to stuff a bag with chocolate bars and candy, snickering like a simpleton. He had already forgotten about Brian, preoccupied with his own task. The farmer advanced, his hand resting on his firearm. You don't seem to understand, he stated. Bernie already told you that the store was closed. I strongly advise you to depart. Mind your own business, old man, Jack jeered. I'd hate to have to bash in your last teeth. Billy's laughter echoed through the store as he reached for more candies from the shelf. The woman joined in, her peals of laughter ringing through the air. Pretty gun, scoffed Jack, looking at the old man's belt. You think your little toy can frighten us? There's no lawman here to stop us as far as I can see. But to their astonishment, a figure emerged from the shadows, brandishing a badge and a revolver. He set down his oil lamp on the counter and spoke with a steely resolve. Well, as it happens, there is. So let's all remain calm, shall we? The woman was dumbfounded, but Jack, the leader, was not so easily swayed. In a show of bravado, he locked eyes with the officer and snatched a bag of dried meat from the counter, a smirk playing across his lips. This time, the farmer took action. He seized Jack's arm. In a flash, Jack produced a colossal firearm, a magnum, and aimed it at the old man's chest. Hold on there, cowboy. Step back. You shall place your firearm gently on the ground right now, all right? The officer stepped close behind Jack. Surrender your weapon this instant! Chuck watched intently. Anger surged within him, along with a sense of helplessness. Brian groaned, blood seeping once more from his wounds. He hesitated to intervene, fearful of setting off the trio of raiders. But he was running out of time. He glanced over at Ron and Julia, still stricken, lurking in the store's shadows. Meanwhile, the little girl and her mother, along with the old lady grocer, remained concealed in the opposite corner of the shop. Chuck observed the scene as a powerless spectator. Abruptly, Billy, lingering in the aisle behind, dropped his bag to the ground. The sight of the policeman taking aim at Jack was evidently too much for him to bear. His breath unsteady, heedless, the unstable youth lifted his rifle and fired at the police officer. The shot reverberated throughout the store while the bullet glanced off a steel shelf above the officer's head and buried itself in the wall. In an instant, the lawman threw himself to the ground, taking refuge behind a small display near the counter. The agitated grocer was bellowing like a wounded beast, begging them all to stop. Ron and Julia lay prone further back while Chuck, already crouched, dragged Brian's body to safety before huddling lower himself. He knew his gun could prove useful, but the darkness cloaked the attackers too well, making it impossible to tell friend from foe. The mere thought of injuring the woman and her daughter or some innocent bystander filled him with dread. The grocer's wife, the young mother, and little girl sought sanctuary behind the counter, 
a relatively safer refuge from the random gunfire. Venturing towards the back of the shop would expose them too much. Please, please stop, implored the overwhelmed shopkeeper. Stop, I beg you. I'll give you whatever you want. Exasperated by his pleas, Billy impulsively swiveled his firearm towards the grocer and squeezed the trigger. Despite the dark, the unstable outlaw hit his target. The impact was devastating as the shopkeeper's chest exploded upon being hit. The old grocer, who had served his community for years, fell to the ground, lifeless. The police officer, incensed, emerged from his hiding place and fired a shot towards Billy, but missed, and Billy scrambled for cover behind a nearby shelf. The old farmer, who had been watching the scene from a distance, drew his weapon and aimed it directly at Jack. He stared hard at Jack, who, caught off guard, inadvertently met the farmer's steely gaze. In that instant, Jack's face, once blithely confident, turned pale with fear. He knew that he had nowhere to run. With lightning speed, the two men opened fire. Jack, in his panic, aimed clumsily at his target and fired repeatedly, while the farmer, with the skills of a true marksman, spun the cylinder of his revolver with a deft flick of his wrist, unleashing a barrage of bullets that rained down mercilessly on the frenzied man. Three shots hit Jack, two in his abdomen and one in his chest. The old farmer was not spared either, as two bullets lodged in his chest, causing him to collapse like a lifeless mass on the ground. As the sound of shots echoed through the store, the three women cowered behind the counter, too terrified to even look up. Eva clung silently to her mother. Chuck, Ron, and Julia, still hiding in the shadows, kept their heads down, wary of the stray bullets that whizzed overhead. The police officer, taking cover behind his display, kept his sights trained on his target, looking for a clear shot. As for Billy, he remained hidden behind his shelf, stunned by the bloody scene that had erupted before him. He was gripped by dread and disbelief as he watched in horror the deadly consequences of their reckless actions. Meanwhile, the woman with the intruders, Cherry watched on in despair, tears streaming down her face as she witnessed Jack's tragic fate. Jack fell to his knees. In his final moments, he caught a movement out of the corner of his eye and fired his gun aimlessly. The bullet struck a bag of chips on the counter just inches away from the police officer. With his last breath, he gazed at his wife, resigned to his fate. The officer rose to his feet and ended Jack's life with a bullet to the head. Sherry was beside herself with panic, screaming as she took cover behind the counter, gun in hand. She huddled down close to the woman in the white dress and her daughter. The violence of the scene had left her in shock. Billy, eyes bulging with fury, snapped out of his trance and quickly reloaded his weapon. You killed my brother, you filthy scum, he bellowed. Consumed by a black fury, Billy surged out from his hiding place and trained his sights on his brother's killer. Chuck, 
well hidden and close by, determined to intervene. Just as Billy was about to fire at the police officer, Chuck lunged. The bullet struck the ceiling. Chuck managed to wrench the rifle from Billy's grasp. It scattered across the scratched linoleum floor. Chuck grabbed his pistol from his belt, but Billy was already scrabbling away after the rifle. He seized Billy by the ankle and brought him crashing to the ground. The revolver slid beneath a shelf as the two men launched themselves at each other. Billy, livid with fury, pummeled his adversary's face. Chuck shielded himself and tried to push Billy away. While the two men brawled, Sherry, wrought with anxiety, crouched behind the counter with the other women and clasped the hand of the little girl, pulling her closer. The child's mother gasped in astonishment. Sherry rose to her feet, starkly visible in the lamplight, and pointed her pistol at the child's temple. Ava! the mother wailed. Mommy! the little girl cried. Sherry, breathless and bewildered, had no idea what to do next. She had completely lost control of the situation and was now acting recklessly in order to survive. Her wild eyes landed on Jack's lifeless body lying on the ground, riddled with bullets, and her complexion turned ashen. Catching sight of Billy and Chuck's fierce fighting, she let out a piercing cry. Billy, stop this bullshit! Haven't you done enough? Jack is dead, for fuck's sake, stop! I have the little girl, look! But the two men fought on, impervious to her plea. The police officer, until now forgotten, regained his bearings and moved forward to interpose himself and safeguard the little girl. Unfortunately, his abrupt movement betrayed him. Sherry promptly leveled her firearm at him, all the while clasping the girl close to her breast. You! You killed my husband, you dirty son of a bitch! Drop your weapon, or I'll kill her. Let her go, the policeman replied softly. She has nothing to do with this. I'm gonna kill her, I'm telling you. I'm gonna kill her. Obey! Okay, okay, I'll drop my weapon, and you let her go. The policeman laid down his pistol on the ground, palms outstretched. Then, with the palm of his right hand facing forward, he approached her. The little girl has nothing to do with this. I am unarmed, so release her. It's just between you and me now. Let's settle this calmly, shall we? The police officer continued to approach, perhaps too hastily, as Sherry panicked and pulled the trigger twice. The first bullet pierced the cop's hand, causing him to howl in pain and the second one perforated his chest. He collapsed to the floor, writhing in agony. Ava, still in the grip of her captor, covered her eyes with trembling hands. That's all you deserved, you dirty pig, Sherry shouted triumphantly. Desperately, Ava's mother emerged from hiding and pounced on Sherry. She managed to seize the smoking revolver's barrel as she fought to wrest it from the shooter's grip. Sherry thrashed and fired twice, but missed her target. Seizing the opportunity, Eva fled and found refuge with Julia in the pitch-black back of the room. The clash was brief. Eva's mother shoved Sherry, who lost her footing. As she fell, she pulled the trigger, 
and the bullet crashed into the wretched mother's throat. Drenched in a sudden sheet of blood, she toppled backwards, joining the other lifeless corpses upon the ground. Her daughter, nestled in Julia's embrace, kept her eyes shut, hands covering her ears appalled by the deafening sound of the gunfire. Sherry, on the other hand, remained immobile, fixed to the spot, apparently petrified. Meanwhile, Chuck had gained the upper hand. Having seized Billy's firearm, he dealt a brutal blow with the butt of the weapon. His opponent, still conscious but dazed by the impact, grabbed a can from a nearby shelf and swung fiercely at Chuck's head. The former soldier's vision blurred, the weight of the world bearing down on his skull. As Chuck regained his senses, Billy struggled to his feet, snatching Chuck's weapon and aiming it directly at him. You're a dead man! Suddenly, Billy's head exploded, painting Chuck with a grotesque shower of blood and brain matter. He instantly felt the need to retch. Billy's body collapsed to the floor. The policeman who had returned from beyond the veil of death had succeeded in saving Chuck's life with a final breath and a miraculous shot. Chuck stammered, Damn! He was still in shock. The police officer, his hand drenched in blood, managed to offer a faint smile. Cherry lay on the ground nearby, possessed by a wild rage. She rose up suddenly, brandishing her weapon, screaming, I'll kill you all, you bastards, all of you! She charged straight for the policeman, but during the scuffle, Ron had stealthily made his way behind the shelves and found a position near the counter. He knew the danger that this unpredictable woman posed. In one swift motion, the gamekeeper thrust the blade of his knife into her throat, cutting cleanly from ear to ear. Stunned, Sherry froze for a moment, but managed to spin around and shoot a final bullet into Ron's abdomen. Blood gushed from Sherry's carotid artery. She crawled towards her husband Jack, where she lay bleeding, dying. Silence finally descended upon the store. The oil lamps flickered, their light casting a haunting glow on the chaos. The bloodstains on the counter resembled an abstract painting of a tormented soul. The dead outnumbered the living, and the calm after the storm was deafening. Ron's cries of pain broke the silence, as he lay writhing on the ground. The grocer's wife, huddled in the back hallway, wailed in terror, like a wounded animal cornered by a pack of wolves. Julia and Eva remained rooted at the back of the store, silent and shocked. The young girl had not yet grasped what had happened to her mother. She stayed within her own bubble, enclosed in a world where all this violence was absent. Chuck, sitting on the ground, covered in blood, stared at Billy's lifeless body lying on the floor. He still couldn't fathom what had just happened. Even though he had witnessed bloody scenes, even apocalyptic ones, this was different. He was overwhelmed by a terrible bitterness and at the same time a sense of relief that it was finally over. Chuck turned his gaze toward Brian. The body was bathed in a dark pool of blood. As he approached, he noticed that a stray bullet had pierced Brian's side. This time, it was over. Oh no! 
Julia crawled closer and was confronted with the same irrevocable truth. Brian was no more. Chuck lowered his head, forgetting everything else. Ron's horrifying scream brought him back to reality. Go help him, Julia said calmly as she hugged Eva tightly. Save what can be saved. Chuck nodded resolutely and rushed to Ron. The gamekeeper writhed in pain on the floor. The grocer's wife screamed again near her husband's body. Ron, damn it. Are you okay, pal? Asked the trucker. We'll get you out of here, trust me. It'll be all right. We won't let you down. And Brian? Asked the wounded man, gritting his teeth. Chuck shook his head. He had lost too much blood, and a bullet from one of these assholes hit him in the stomach. Bastards! Now Ron wept with rage. We'll get you out of here, Chuck repeated aimlessly. Julia interrupted them. The ground is shaking, the young woman said anxiously. Chuck turned around. He had not noticed that the shelves were starting to tremble. The ground beneath him quivered. Cans danced on the shelves, vibrating until they floated slightly. Some crashed heavily to the ground. Jars of jam slid and shattered on the floor. Soon, the whole room was shaking. What is it? Ron paused for a few seconds to listen. A muffled sound emerged, deep and powerful. Chuck reflexively looked through the window. He was stunned by what he saw, a vision of apocalypse. God! Temporarily leaving Ron, he ran to the door and pushed it open. Before him was an astonishing sight, completely surreal, and yet unmistakably true. In the distance, before his wide open eyes, a mushroom cloud rose into the air like a powerful geezer illuminating the horizon. Thank you for listening. If you like this series, feel free to share it and subscribe to make sure you don't miss any new episodes.